Hello! If you're joining us for the first time, welcome! This is Parenting is Political. If you're joining us for not the first time, welcome back. Uh, This week, we are not going to have our regular episode because of holidays, but I did want to give you a special bonus episode. If you happen to catch us live on Instagram, then you've already seen this. Um, It's also on our Facebook page, Parenting is Political. However, I thought I would post the audio to that video in case y'all missed it or you wanted to listen to it again. Again, it's live. The sound is not as great because we were doing it for video purposes. Uh, However, it is enjoyable. So um, yeah, happy holidays, and I hope you enjoy the live bonus episode. Thanks so much. (laughs) We are live. Live! From... New York? It's no. Okay. <laughs> Not doing that. No, there there was an intro though that we talked about. We did. Uh, welcome to Parenting is Political. My name is Mo. And I'm Jasmine. And we thought we would do a little special video session instead of it just being audio. This is August. Oh yeah, and August is here. This is just water. I'm not drinking coffee or tea. <laughs> You're a goofball. Yes. Is this for effect? Is this aesthetic? No, it's just I was thirsty and I had finished my tea. And instead of dirtying another cup that I'd have to wash, I just use the same cup. Mm. Well, this is matcha. Yeah, you're actually drinking tea. Matcha's tea, right? <laughs> yeah, it's green tea. Oh, okay, cool. So, we are in our home. Yep. And you're going to hear our kids running around and probably our dogs, but we wanted to talk a little bit about. Um, hey Zara, we're live. You can come in. Ouch, did you hurt your leg? Yeah. Do you need some help? Uh, all I need is but that's it. That's our kid Zara. Bye. Not in here. We're live on the uh, internet. Yep. Uh, like, like we told you before. <laughs> we were gonna do. So, we are talking about a toxic family. Um, And the holiday season. And for many of us, our first experiences with violence came from our families. Accurate. True. Mm -hmm. And we had discussed, since, you know, our podcast is very much talking about parenting and families and the holiday season is upon us, we thought we would talk about something that we have both experienced, but we also know a lot of people um, experience the holidays are very difficult. If you ever go home for the holidays, if you have to interact with family, um, it's a time that can be very challenging and can be very um, traumatizing for some people. Yeah, and holiday season especially makes it really difficult whenever you have a family that um, is pathologically violent and traumatic. Mm-hmm. Another word for that is abusive. Uh, the holiday season in particular is really hard mm-hmm. because there's so much emphasis around the nuclear family and family joy and good families, which is primarily about capitalism and the commercialization of the holiday season. Um, but it hurts nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, And uh, if you've been listening along with the podcast, we have been talking about nuclear family. And you know that um, family isn't just nuclear. Um, family includes those who aren't biologically related to you. And so we're going to be talking about what happens whenever that nuclear family, though, is abusive. And they do invite you home for the holidays, and you do have to go home and see them and possibly make the choice not to see them. Um, And so we decided to do 
a quick little video about it. And just to kind of recap for those who like don't know what nuclear family is, it was a model that was created by George Maddock, is that how you say his name? Mm -hmm. um, around the 50s. And um, he decided to make this model of what he thought family would be. And um, that was like, it has to be two people. It has to be a man and a woman. They have to be married. And all the kids that come from that Hold biological... Hold on, babe. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there the, you go. The kids that come from that biological mom and dad unit um, would be making up the nuclear family. Which means that a lot of families are excluded from that model. Um, so whenever we uh, reference nuclear family, we're talking about that historical definition of a man and a wife. They had kids. Cisgender. They're cisgendered. They're heterosexual. Many times they're white. Probably uh, Anglo-Christian. Yeah. Um, oh, so, I guess I should turn it so you can see me here, huh? So that's kind of the definition of hey, nuclear Daniel. family that we're working from. Cool. So, toxic families. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about them. First of all, it's pretty easy for folks to automatically assign their family as toxic or violent, um, and often that's not what they are. They're just uncomfortable. And there's just conflict. Yeah. And uh, because our society is rooted in white supremacy, one of the habits of white supremacy is fear of conflict. Okay. <laughs> so let's get that definition straight. Uh, toxic family members are family or families um, are a group of people or individuals who have a pathological, meaning habitual, um, pattern of violating your well-being um, and engaging with you in violent ways. That doesn't mean that Uncle Ted has some uncomfortable politics and you don't enjoy it. That's okay. not what we're talking about. That's uncomfortable. And That's that a sucks. conflict. Too bad you're related to someone who's garbage. Yeah. That's not abuse. No. Abuse is when Uncle Ted, in addition to his politics says that he thinks all trans people should not be allowed to use the restroom or uh, they should die. Yeah. That would be a political, like a version of a politically violent family member. Yes. And that would fall in the category of toxic. So part of how people manage uh, their toxic families and the experiences with toxic fam families is estrangement. Mm -hmm. And we don't talk a lot about estrangement in our society because uh, there's sort of this conditioning or myth that family is forever, particularly if there's biological association. Turns out that's not true. What? What? Tell us more. <laughs> so one of the most loving and valuable things you can do for yourself and for others, particularly whenever relationships cannot come from a place of unconditional positive regard and mutual accountability, is to cut off uh, connection and interaction with whether it's a friend or a family member. And that's called estrangement. Excellent definition. And the majority of uh, folks in our society have experienced estrangement in some way. Mm -hmm. We just don't talk about it. And we make people feel bad about it. And we shame them. Yeah. Because we don't like it when power is stopgapped. And that's what estrangement is. It says, I'm going to cut the rope that ties me and you together. And then I'm going to seal my end of the rope so that you can no longer have the power to unravel me. Yeah. 
It's a deep act of love for yourself and also for the party that you're drawing the boundary with. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a beautiful picture of what estrangement looks like because oftentimes there can be a negative narrative that we're, like we were talking about of like the person who cut off did the harmful thing to the, to the biological family. Like we, like, we were the bad people for choosing our own oh. health and mental health status. Yeah. And um, a great way to think about it, though, is that, like, that rope analogy you just used. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there's a rope that tethers you to that biological family unit. Or any family, or any, honestly. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be biological. Any family or, like, kinfolk, friend group that right. you invest your daily life in. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, kind of cut ties with them, but, like like cutting it off and like burning the end of that rope keeps you from fraying and falling apart every time you try to like re-engage with that rope that's been cut because if you kind of sit there and smush two ends of a rope together they're just going to keep unfraying Mm. um but if you if you make it so that there's really good boundaries which we're going to talk about Mm. um that can keep you from unraveling as a human being (laughs) right and it's really, really important to reframe the conversation around estrangement. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the person who is estranged, usually the victim of the harm, will say, I had to cut my family off. Yeah. Did you have to? Or did they choose to not be in your life? Because when we give folks clear outlines of what we need in order to be healthy, dignified, respected people who get to show up in a family group or a friend group or whatever community space that we share together. When we say, this is what I need to show up as my best self. And they say, psych, I can't give you that. Mm -hmm. And you say, cool, I can't be in a relationship with you anymore. You're not the person who cut off. You're not the person who made the choice to keep them out of your life. They chose to say, what you need for me to be in your life, I won't give you or I can't give you. And so they are the ones that made the choice. And a covert way that we victim blame and shame people back into those same violent and toxic families that they were trying to get away from for um, their own stability and well-being is by saying you cut off your family or you stop talking to your family. But no, really, my family told me that You know, hypothetically, my family told me that I'm not the version of family that they want to have. Mm -hmm. And so I had to go find a community that could fit, like who allowed me to show up as my full self and and give me that sort of dignity that I need. Yeah, absolutely. And that's very important reframing just because of the guilt narrative that is so easy to entrap yourself into. Um, I have personal experience with that. I don't know if we want to... You can dive into your personal Jump into that. For sure. Um... So I'm estranged from my biological family unit. Uh, Several years ago, I was brave enough and had the courage and ability to come out to them Um, as as queer. In case we were, I came out to them as queer. What? (laughs) You're queer. I I am gay. It's happening again. I'm telling the world. And uh, they are from a very conservative Southern Baptist church. And uh, they had a very difficult time with it, to say the least. And I tried to do the whole, let's work it out. Is it because you asked them to have gay sex with you? (laughs) No, no. Ew. What what did they have a difficult time with? Um, I think that they were just taught... Did they think it was communicable? Yeah. They thought I would spread the gay on to the rest of the folks. Weird. They're hetero and they made something gay. Mm -hmm. What does that say? Look, I'm, derail- I'm derailing. I'm derailing. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so they had a very difficult time with it to say the least. And I tried to maintain that relationship for as long as possible. Um, ended up starting to date Jasmine and it other became, people before me. Not I know, but the story is relating to you. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you. It's really weird. Yeah. So, uh, I had asked, you know, like, Hey, I'm dating somebody. We would love to come home for the holidays. It was Thanksgiving at the time. And uh, my siblings, going back to the communicable gay disease, said, we don't want y'all to come because we don't want to have to explain it to our children. Um, They didn't want to have to, I guess, say that we were coming home. I didn't know what there was to explain. Obviously, they thought there was something to explain. So we got invited to second Thanksgiving, um, which I called leftover Thanksgiving, because that's literally what it was going to be. You can't can't sit at the lunch counter. Yeah. And so that's... That's the difference that we're talking about, right? That wasn't just, they had some ideas and theology that was different from ours. That was our ideas and our politics and our theology are informing our behaviors. And the the choices that my family made was to support those who already had more power than me within the family, which were those who were in heterosexual relationships. And they invited them to the main Thanksgiving, right? And they created a secondary citizenship. They did. And they said, well, Mo, because we don't agree with your lifestyle... You can still come to Thanksgiving. You just have to come to the one that not everybody's invited to. And those who are uncomfortable, they can choose to opt out. But we're still going to have family time. Sorry, you can't join us. Come to the second one. So that's an example of... That, that's abusive. That's, that's something that's like, hey, I didn't want to cut off from my family. They made that choice. So they're the ones who cut the ties, right? And uh, if, from there, like, I just decided, look, like, I don't think my family is going to be one that's going to be supportive of us in our family unit. So to protect ourselves, to protect I asked, yourself. Yeah, I asked for boundaries. I made very clear what I needed. Those boundaries were continually disregarded mm-hmm. and not respected. And ultimately, I decided no more. We're not going to try to go home. We're not going to try to have any conversations. I have to take care of my mental health first and foremost and show up in this family first and foremost because this is the one that I'm choosing to be in, right? Um, so that's a little bit of my history with estrangement. It's particularly rough around the holidays. Um, I miss my family. I, like every time that there's Thanksgiving and Christmas and birthdays, like I think about them, and I wish I could be relation in a relationship with them. However, however, their their, <laughs> their request uh, and their needs to mm-hmm. be in a relationship with you is for you to be someone completely different than who you are. Yeah, they don't actually want to be in a relationship with you. For who I am. For who you are. They want me to be a different version of myself. Right. And that's, that's fine. So whether you have a mental illness or an unseen disability, a visible disability, mm-hmm. um, whether your politics are different, um, whether your class status is different, like whatever it is that you find yourself experiencing that your family is coming into contact with and it's causing conflict, conflict is fine. What... Um, isn't is whenever the message becomes the very essence, the things that make you who you are, um, are unacceptable to me. Right. And then because they're unacceptable, we're going to treat you in harmful ways. Yeah. So that's what estrangement looked like in my instance. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a, hopefully a very clear picture of like, it wasn't just their beliefs. It was like their actions and behaviors. Mm-hmm. So the next part of estrangement or managing, um, which, by the way, estrangement is not the only option during the holiday season. You can go and be around your family. Um, You'll have to create some sort of boundary. 
Boundaries. Which is the next thing, which works for estrangement or if you are still in contact with toxic family members. Mm -hmm. So a boundary is essentially the fence you build around um, your home to keep people off of your yard. And oftentimes what we like to do is we like to give boundaries to other people. That's really about us going and building a fence around their yard and telling them what they can do with their space because we want control, but we want to call it a boundary. We don't want to be hurt and we don't, but we also don't know how to take care of ourselves. So we try and corral or draw a parameter around other people's behavior. So, um, a boundary for me, um, would be that whenever um, someone hurts me, I'm able to clearly uh, state how I feel, what I think, and what I believe happened to me, and have them hear me. Wow, what a good boundary that is. <laughs> now that I said it out loud, I'm all, God damn, Jasmine, go I'll write that down. <laughs> now, how this boundary could go awry is if I said, my boundary is when you hurt me, you always apologize. That's about controlling their behavior. Right. I drew a fence around their house, their yard. Drawing a fence around my yard is just about myself, right? It's I need space to say how I think, what I think and how I feel, and um, I need that to be received. Now, I can't force someone to apologize. That's not a um, real boundary for my well-being. That's about control. Apologies might be necessary for what I need whenever I'm hurt, and... Um, they would be really nice, but requiring apologies would be, again, controlling the other people. So if you're going to be in your um, in the presence of family members that are toxic or difficult for you to navigate your relationship with, establishing boundaries for yourself and expectations for yourself ahead of time. And that might mean a clear communication with them. That might mean an email or a text message um, or just like having the talk in the moment. Yeah. Um, for example, one thing that you could say to a family member, like in the, that, that's ugly. <laughs> um, one thing that you might be able to say to a family member is, a boundary for me is that I am treated as an equal in my family, in my sibling group. Yeah. That was a boundary for Mo. Which I had clearly communicated ahead of time. Just right. so that we were clear. Right. Since we're talking about communication. And so, and so in that instance, if Mo's family decides to say, oh, well, all of your siblings can sit at this table, but you have to go sit at the other table for whatever reason, mm -hmm. and you feel that that doesn't treat you as an equal, your boundary has been violated. And then you need to determine what you do when your boundary is violated. Um, and that could be, again, estrangement. That could be conversations and adjusting. That could be, like, requests to have some kind of, like, community intervention. There is a myriad ways. Yeah. Um, there are myriad ways in which to deal with conflict as it comes up. Right. The important thing, though, is to create an expectation for yourself where you continually uh, alert yourself or track patterns because in a toxic family, patterns that include the continued um, violation of your boundary turns into deeper violence. And you might be um, internalizing the, the violations of your boundaries, and you also might be uh, forcing yourself to be comfortable with it in order to avoid the reality that the people that you have been led to believe should love you and care for you most are actually the people who are perpetrating the highest level of violence in your life. Right. 
And that's unacceptable if they want to go under the moniker of family. Yeah, absolutely. So boundaries. Boundaries. So uh, what's next? So that's it, y'all. We gave you a lot of good stuff. Yeah. So if you have questions or comments, drop them Mm -hmm. in the comment box and uh, we'll answer them. And we'll just like hang out for a little bit. I'll drink my water. We'll maybe we'll maybe give it a good couple of minutes and um, answer any questions directly. And if you don't want to be identified by your social media handle, um, asking the questions that you might have, feel free to email us at contact at parenting is political or drop us a DM. Oh yes, dot org. Contact at parenting is political.org. Oh, you're so good at things. You I'm left not. off the dot thing. That's important. Um, or drop us a DM. Yep. Which stands for direct message. Thank you for making my language more accessible. <laughs> and also you could message us on Facebook. Yeah, you could message Augie. August is just going to scream. Yeah, they'll just scream back at you. Um, <laughs> which I also might do, depending on what you send us. <laughs> Hi, Kimberly William. Danielle is just laughing at us. Yeah. So, during the holidays, we have a lot of friends that are in our lives who have become our family. Yep. In the absence of others. Yeah, and I would say that if this is something that, like, you're considering or, like, you've already done... um, Self-care and, like, taking care of yourself and being gentle with yourself is super important. Um, The holidays are already kind of difficult, but if this is your first holiday that you're maybe not spending with the group of friends or the family that you usually spend it with, um, take extra good care of yourself. Figure out something that makes you feel good that's just for you and make sure that you're, you're practicing that and that you're doing that regularly. And also, like... Try, if possible, to... Wow, August. Wow. August just wants to take over the conversation. But if, it, if it's possible Rude. to, like, figure out the different traditions that you really loved about whatever uh, holiday that you're no longer, no longer going to be a, a part of, uh, you can incorporate that into your holiday this year. Um, yeah. Just different things that you really did enjoy and that you're sad about losing and that you can but maybe like, honestly, recreate. Honestly, so much of the rhetoric, the conversation around... Um, Family and well-being and wellness is steeped in desirability politics and uh, ableism. So desirability is in like, there's a healthy way, there's a good way to be estranged or ableist, like self-care. You can just do X, Y, and Z. And it, it doesn't take in, these conversations don't always take into consideration about the fact that like all of us have varying levels, whether we're not neurotypical whether um, we don't have the finances to yeah. invest in certain habits of uh, self-care that everyone touts or uh, or like around the desirability layer of conversation, like sometimes um, estrangement and well-being is really ugly. Like oh, it's absolutely. not it's not beautiful and clean and approachable. Yeah. And so I want to push back against any kind of myth of desirability and know that like sometimes you're going to like drink yourself through the holidays and sometimes you're going to like go out and do reckless things or you're just going to like lay on your couch yeah, you're and not going to get out of bed. Not gonna get out of bed. 
like, and that's quote unquote ugly in our society because you're not grieving well yeah. or you're not doing it the right way or the way that is, uh, doesn't make us feel uncomfortable to be the spectators of. And, and y'all, there have been yeah. nights that I've like fallen asleep on the floor at the base of the toilet because I was like vomiting uncontrollably <laughs> because of anxiety yeah. and Mo just like covered me up with a blanket it, it didn't look like a bubble bath and like, yeah. I'm going to drink a glass of wine and get in the bath because that's self-care. No, like yeah. my level of self-care in that instance was like letting my body feel what it needed to feel and not walking in shame afterwards and just being like, so about that puking last night. <laughs> right? Yeah. So there's also this really pause. Look who's here. Dawn. Dawn. <laughs> Dawn's here. Um, there's also this really lovely account I follow. You can look up the hashtag boring self care. Yeah. Um, and that's really great for those who like don't have financial means or can't think of things that are like self care. Like the one they posted. It's not glamorous. No, yeah, the one they posted yesterday was like cutting. I cut my toenails. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I remembered to take my meds today. Like the, mm-hmm. those things that like folks will like. It's not as glamorized, I guess. Yeah. But it's still a form of like. Making sure that you're making it somehow. Yeah. So that's no really one's good. gonna pin it on Pinterest, but yeah, Pinterest. Dude, I, I paid three fourths of my bills this month. Self care. Uh, so everyone who's just joining us, we are having a conversation about uh, holidays and toxicity. Mm-hmm. And if you have any questions or comments, drop yeah. them. There is so a we question. have one. Do you want to read it? Or you want me to? Uh, yep, you can. It says. Uh, how do you deal with uh, guilt over doing your own thing for the holidays? How dare you? How dare you do your own thing? How do you deal with guilt? Well, uh, I would argue, and I hate to be this person, but I am. But I, I was going to say, but. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would disagree that you're feeling guilt. It sounds like you're feeling shame. Guilt is something that happens when you know that you've done something wrong and it's a great um, catalyst for changing your interpersonal behavior. Shame says you're bad for doing yeah. something. Yeah. And so it would, it would not be about uh, getting rid of guilt as much as it would be um, taking on a posture of curiousness and say, I wonder who taught me that I should feel ashamed for making choices based on my desires and what I want. Game changer. (laughs) That's important though. No, really? Yeah. Because even if you have a wonderful family that you enjoy spending time with and you're just like, fuck it. I don't not even estranged from them. I don't want to go. I don't want to do anything. I want to do my own thing. Mm -hmm. If you feel shame about it, there's either you learn something from them or you learn something somewhere else that told you you're not allowed to make these kind of these kind of choices for yourself yeah and so then your practice might look like and again there are myriad ways in which we trend toward health um trend toward well-being um however you want to frame it because i think there's a lot of ableism um in health conversations. (laughs) Um, But that could look like then developing a practice where you interrogate other places in your life where you feel as though you don't have permission to make choices based on what you want. And you have to have some sort of like really good reason or case made. Mm 
And then who knows? Other things might start emerging in your relationship patterns where you go, oh, wait, I remember I wanted X, Y, and Z as a kid, and I always had to justify it. It was never, I value this and I want it, so I'm going to go after it. I have that kind of thing. For me, it always has to be like a wise and responsible financial choice because of the way uh, poverty syndrome has shown up in my life. Or even around my um, experience with sexual abuse and trauma in my body, it's often very hard for me to ask for what I want directly around like my sexual experiences because I was conditioned to believe by my abusers and by society that my body didn't belong to me and people could do whatever they wanted. And so the idea that I was more of a playground and I had no um, agency in saying what I want became, became a habit. And it has moved into other areas of my life, you know, like going and getting a massage and practicing with a massage therapist saying, I don't like that. Can you do something different? I want more pressure, less pressure. Um, Those were things that I never felt empowered uh, to ask for. So that happened at holidays. That happened around my family whenever I was forced to hug people, uh, some of whom were my abusers or Mm -hmm. forced into certain kind of physical space situations. And I don't shame myself over that. I have done a lot of work to um, to diffuse the power, like uh, to, to change the wiring on that bomb. And now the conversation for myself is one of curiosity and grace. But there are times that I do um, revert and shame myself. So Aaron, if that's your handle and real name, um, <laughs> just be curious with yourself and ask uh, why is it or how did I come to believe that I'm not allowed to choose what I want? Yeah. Where, where, where along the lines did you learn some myths about uh, personal uh, like self-determination and autonomy? Yeah. And like truly be curious about any relationship that's going to like give you crap about choosing what you need to choose to make like to take care of yourself. But that's the thing. We don't even have to frame it as need. It could be want. Or just want. Yeah, that you wanted to do that. They be Fox. (laughs) They be Fox said, just want to say this has been super validating. Super validating. Glad. Dawn said something. Hi, Dawn. Hey, Dawn. You cutie. (laughs) Dawn says, yep, you don't have to justify your needs or wants. Cool, y'all. Well, some of you have said that you are going to email us Mm -hmm. your thoughts and feelings and questions after you watch this. Please feel free to comment. And if you're so inclined, subscribe and you get even more of this great stuff. Yeah, you get like resources and downloadable things and like surprise fun videos. And I send nudes. (laughs) I like... I handwrite. I'm just kidding. I don't. No, no, don't say that. I handwrite like little thank you notes um, and take the time to do that. And you also get a parenting as political magnet um, by just signing up to be a subscriber. Yeah, and then there will be other really great swag that comes your way as we um, dive in deeper to this. By the way, some people that we don't like and we don't enjoy, um, you know, follow this. And I know you're watching. I want you to know I don't give a fuck. Ain't nobody worried about you. Ain't nobody worried about you. All right, that's it, y'all. Hope you enjoyed our 30 minutes of rambling and that you found it helpful in some way. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
how do I end this? And <laughs> the end button. You said, how do I end this?